Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guests for this morning are Catherine Weissenberg and Jocelyn Montanaro. Catherine has a unique ability to communicate and dialogue with God, the deceased, and coma patients. These communications with the stream of universal consciousness are recorded as writings. Each writing is unique to the situation, energy, and is intimate to the recipient. They are beautiful imagery and metaphor, often involving universal themes of self-growth, interpersonal relationships, and life challenges. Catherine works con- Catherine's work continues to deepen and transform her understanding of spirit and consciousness and the ever-expanding reality. Jocelyn was a lawyer working with divorcing couples, criminal defendants, and in general litigation before writing Beyond Ever After. She also helped Kevin, her husband, with his very successful legal mediation practice. With some surprise and apprehension, as the selected messenger, Jocelyn welcomes readers into her life just before and after Kevin's death. She recognizes the responsibility she has in sharing with others this story of love beyond ever after. Catherine Jocelyn and I will be having a conversation about their remarkable life's journey and their newly released insightful book, Beyond Ever After. Good morning, ladies. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you two doing this morning? Good, Johnny. Thanks for having us. Great, Johnny. Thanks for having us. Fantastic. This is wonderful. It is a pleasure to have both of you on the air with me. I'm excited to learn more about your spiritual journey. And by the way, Beyond Ever After is a wonderful read. The book is very well organized and written. Congratulations on its release. Thank Thank you. you. We had a lot of fun writing it. Wonderful. Let us start by getting to know you two a little better. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment. And ladies, we have the whole hour, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Jocelyn, you want to go first? Uh, Sure. Well, you know, my life was pretty unremarkable until um, this experience that I had with Catherine that became our book. I was born in Connecticut, moved to Santa Barbara, California when I was a couple years old, so I feel like I'm a Californian, I guess is the word, and um, I uh, went to um, uh, school in Washington, D.C., American University. I went to finishing school in Switzerland when I was 20, which is a little different. Went to law school at Pepperdine and then just um, got married to the love of my life and had some kids and had a successful law practice, and everything was normal. And then my um, husband got sick um, with brain cancer. And then I met Catherine, and this um, journey began, and that's pretty much it. I mean, I, um, nothing really remarkable until this. I back to defer, though. I mean, we talk about finishing school, Pepperdine University, and 
becoming an attorney. I thought that's something very special. Well, you know what? You're right. It is, and I didn't mean to diminish that. It's, it, it was. It, it, I was lucky, and that I had the opportunity to do those things. But um, you know, once you have an experience like this, all the other, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, what seems like accomplishments in your life just really pale in comparison. You can't really compare them. That's true. Uh, well, I look at it as in terms of life is a journey, and you go through this process, and. It's amazing what the things that you accumulate over the years, and to some, they might be luggages. To some other people, it might be baggages. I like to look at them as luggages. I like that, too. I, uh, I like that, too. And, and, you know, honestly, if I could have never had this experience and still have my husband here, I would have picked that and gone back to my, you know, relatively boring life. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you just you play the hand you're dealt. Certainly. I understand. How about you, Catherine? Um, so for me, I was adopted at birth. I was born in Illinois. I was born in Ohio, grew up in Illinois. Um, I moved to California to go to uh, school, um, also in Santa Barbara. Um, met my husband. Uh, went to graduate school during graduate school in communication, God's cosmic joke. Uh, I started having the experiences that we're going to talk about in the book, that we're going to talk about in the interview and that are shared in our book. And um, when I was in my early 30s, decided that my husband and I were going to have a child. And so I wanted to find my birth parents. I was able, through a series of almost miracles, able to find my birth mother because records were sealed in Ohio at that time. There should have been no way I could have gotten what I got and um, met my birth mother when I was 32, uh, met my birth father who never knew I existed uh, when I was 53, met all his family with my child and... Um, uh, you know, we wrote the book. It came out in August, and that was that's been really well received and helping a lot of people with hope and be- belief that there's something out there and that when they feel their loved ones with them, they're there. So that's kind of my story. And I, along the way, I taught college. Uh, I was a college teacher. I was an in, worked in administration of a multi-specialty clinic. So I had a, a lot of uh, relatively um, profession. I had a professional life, and I was a brownie and a Girl Scout leader, and a, <laughs> I'm a prayer chaplain, and you know. So I'm really I've had a life of service. I've been lucky to do that. So very very interesting, Jocelyn. When you look back, I know you talk about like you go through the system because obviously there's certain things in life that we do as a young person that were basically pretty much directed by our parents. But somewhere along the line, you sort of took ownership of that life in some ways, Uh, although you may have gotten married to Kevin and so forth. But there were certain things that you were uh, uh, sort of the, uh, you know, you were the the director of it, so to speak. Uh, At what point, did you realize in your journey and your understanding about love, life, and the pursuit of happiness, at what point was it uh, turned around for you in terms of really, truly understanding the here and now uh, 
so to speak? Well, you know, I was uh, thinking about this question, and um, uh, in some ways it was, uh, you know, a dramatic change because Mm -hmm. of this experience. But in other ways, I think everybody, um, you know, do I ever really, do you really ever understand, you know, life and love and the pursuit of happiness, you know, because it is Mm -hmm. a journey. And um, I don't think that I've, you know, figured it all out yet, um, but I'm I'm on my way, and I think every day it's a little, you gain a little more understanding. But certainly with this experience of talking to my um, husband through Catherine while he's in a coma, Mm -hmm. and then after he dies... Um, definitely has um, made a dramatic <laughs> change to my understanding of life and love because my mm-hmm. thoughts about what life really is and about love really is has changed dramatically with this whole experience. Very interesting. Sounds like you've lived your life sort of very pragmatic, the here and now, versus thinking of the past and possibly projecting the future in some ways. I mean, just here, right now. Very, very pragmatic. You know, I and that's I'm a super pragmatic person. I'm um, an attorney by training, as mm-hmm. um, you said, and um, pretty skeptical. I'm kind of a you know show me person, and right. um, never really thought much about. I don't want to say I was shallow, although Catherine's going to probably chuckle because you're right. <laughs> it's a pragmatic way through life. You know, every day just you know the laundry and the job and the kids, and I never really thought a lot about. Um, you know, what it really all meant and what it was mm-hmm. really all about. Because, you know, as you know, when you're in the throes of living life, it just seems to be that life takes over living it. You know, you don't really seem to be self-directed too much at a right. lot of points in your life. Right. So true. So, Catherine, when and how did you first discover your gift? Well, for me... Um uh, as I said, I was in graduate school studying communication, being taught to be a good social science researcher. Um, I was in a rigorous program, and I started having these um, experiences um, that made no sense to me, and I would seem to be receiving um, what I now call God nudges or um to say things to people, innocuous things that I didn't understand, and it would be like, go up and say this to a person. And and at first it was very cryptic, like the, the red car under the trundle bed or something, and I'd be like, I am not going over there saying that. I'll look stupid. And it would be like, say it, say it. The urge would be there. So I would go up to people sitting in a restaurant, so complete strangers, and say, excuse me, um, I don't mean to bother you, but, um, and then I'd say whatever the message was, and people would have a reaction. Like, instead of mm-hmm. looking at me like, are you crazy, they'd start crying, or, and the people that would be sitting with them would be looking at me and looking at them and, you know, be in shock, and I'd be like, okay, bye, and I'd be so humiliated <laughs> and uh, scared, i just like almost break into a run, and um so that continued to happen for a while. I had other uh, otherworldly experiences, and um, I finally came to terms with it. I knew that I couldn't get complete strangers to collude if I was losing my mind. Um, I couldn't, you know, get strangers to step into my insanity with me. And mm-hmm. I actually had a friend who 
I was so concerned. She had me, um, she had two friends that were priests and psychologists from Chicago, and I talked to them, and they said, oh, that you shouldn't be worried about this. This is gifts of the Spirit. If people respond positively, you know it's from God. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. there were some other instances. Now what I do is very, um, you know, a lot different. Um, and uh, But the the information and the stream of love and the energy is always present, and um, I can connect to it for whatever reason. And... Uh, share those messages and insights and beauty and wisdom. Very, very interesting. Did you recall at any time as a child that you were able to do this as well, but rather chose to ignore it? Um, The only inklings that I had, I had two pivotal experiences. When I was 16 years old, we lived next door to my grandma and my Uncle Eddie, her son, was visiting. And I was going home between our two houses uh, because I had to go to work. And I got halfway up this path between our two houses. And I heard, you better go back and kiss your Uncle Eddie goodbye. This is the last time. And I... I thought it was an odd thought, and I just turned around, went back, turned around, went back, and went back to my grandma's house, and um, he said, well, I thought you were leaving, honey, to go to work, and I said, oh, yeah, I know, but I just wanted to come back and give you a kiss and tell you how much I love you, and, and you know, he said, oh, I love you, too, and then I went about my merry way, and then um, the next day, uh, he had died during the night mm-hmm. with heart problems, so that was the only time I really felt I had something unusual. And then when I was 18, I have what I believe was a near-death experience where I went to this other place, um, and uh, it was very blissful. And um, I was 18, so in my naivete, I thought uh, I was there were people that were talking to me with were with music that mm-hmm. had no words. I know it sounds kind of crazy. It's hard to explain. The afterlife would be hard <laughs> to explain. But um, anyway, uh, I'm like, well, if, am I dead? And they're like, yes. And I'm like, well, then where's Uncle Eddie? Because he, at that mm-hmm. point, he was the only person I knew that was dead. And um, they said, oh, he's here. And I'm like, well, can I see him? And they said, not yet. And I got to a certain place where I uh, stopped moving forward over towards this big, huge golden light. And they told me I had a choice that I could go forward or I could go back. And I said, is God over there? And they said, yes. And I said, if I choose to go back, does that mean I can't come back to this place? Because there was no way I was leaving because I've never felt that good anywhere ever. (laughs) And um, they said, no, you can come back. And then I said, well, I think I have more work to do. And then I was back in my body, and then at 28, this gift um, that I now have had mm-hmm. for these 30-some-odd years emerged, and I think that I thought the more work that I had to do was like to leave my mom a note and say, don't worry, I'm going to, I thought I was going to come back and be killed in a car crash. Don't worry, mom, it was all great, I've been <laughs> to heaven, it's wonderful. Uh, obviously, I'm 60 now, so that did not happen, but um, <laughs> anyhow, so... Those were my two pivotal experiences, but I've always been, um, you know, sensitive, I guess, compassionate and service-oriented, so I don't know if that gave me any more, you know, well, thanks abilities. For sharing. Or, 
Well, those those things are very very important because you were fairly sensitive, like you said, that you were able to sort of tune in to uh, what I would say the signals are all around us, the answers are all around us, and you were able to tune in the right dial of the. <laughs> Uh, the receiving side of the equation, and you're able to just tap into it. And sometimes I think right. we just uh, tend to ignore things because it's coming to what Jocelyn would say, it's not practical, it's just not real, uh, not matter of fact, so to speak. And that brings me to you, Jocelyn. How did hope lead to a spiritual awakening for you? Well, when you um, know from a personal experience or just, I guess, mm-hmm. when you know from other things in life, too, that what we're doing right here isn't the end and that there's more, um, it gives you hope for everything because it's not just uh, your life isn't finite. And so mm-hmm. um, that um, makes you feel hopeful for things that are further out than you can kind of see, you know. And um, and also because I know um, in when I die, I'm going to be reunited with my husband, which, mm-hmm. of course, gives me tremendous hope uh, because <laughs> I miss him terribly. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So how about faith? What, what are your thoughts about faith? Ka- Catherine or me? You. Well... Um, <laughs> I didn't have any before, and mm-hmm. I didn't um, really believe there was a God. I mean, I hope there was, and I hope there was a heaven. You know, who doesn't? Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't. I wasn't a believer, although my husband was. Um, mm-hmm. And um, but when you have uh, conversations with God and your mm-hmm. deceased husband, um, your faith is pretty uh, instantaneous. <laughs> you know, once <laughs> I had the first writing, and Kevin. Uh, through Catherine, started communicating with me, everything yeah. I ever thought I believed, you know, completely shifted because right. the impossible was happening. And, and you know, for someone like me, you know, it has to be, I have to be smacked in the face with something to really <laughs> kind of get it. And so uh, for me, it was a pretty instantaneous change. Very, very interesting. I would think in hearing you, your voice and so forth, I think when you look at uh, you are living in the present moment. Yesterday doesn't really matter. I think about it a little bit. Well, yeah, I'll plan for tomorrow. But yet what's interesting about it, I believe and sense, and even now I think when in retrospects, I would think you are able to look at faith uh, in a different perspective now and that uh, faith is actually history. And when you look back, even in your law practice, uh Faith is history because there are things that there's a repetition kind of thing. Well, if I do it this way, if I recommend that, I know this is the result. And believe it or not, I'm like you. I'm very pragmatic. But when I look at uh, from a different angle now, that is in actuality faith. And, and I think – oh, go ahead. Well, what also, Johnny, I think is faith is a belief in something that may you may not it, you're right it's based on your history and it's based mm-hmm. on your experience but it faith moves outside of that parameter faith is oh, sure, something sure. that you believe that 
is greater than that you can't see that you can't sense but you and and it pulls you forward it not only mm-hmm. supports you it's not only a life jacket in the challenges of life but it also is sort of a trajectory as well and um the you read our book so you know that Jocelyn had no faith she was angry mm-hmm. with god her husband mm-hmm. was the the believer, the Christian, the the one mm-hmm. who trusted and knew and wasn't afraid of dying, which is part of the beauty of the book because Kevin really, the book is full of, um, Beyond Ever After, our book is full of faith. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's the embodiment of that because Kevin never questioned. His faith was certain, um, just as my faith is certain, it's mm-hmm. a it's a knowing, it's a direct knowing. And that direct experience is how Jocelyn got her faith and got mm-hmm. you know, got her her anger at God <laughs> dialed down for killing her husband. But Right, yeah. right. No, I understand that. I, I, I agree with I, I what I was trying to relate to more in terms of uh we uh, actually as pragmatic people we live with faith all the time, but we call it something different and Faith is history is looking back and seeing things that falls right. into place and faith yeah. when faith comforts us, then hope takes over because hope right. inspires us to know that hey, the future is taken care of, if that makes sense. Beautiful. I like how you said that. Beautiful. Yeah, so that's just uh, just a little bit uh, from a different bearing from that standpoint of view. Mm-hmm. By the way, you're yeah. listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio, our podcast available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, and Google Play. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guests for this morning are Catherine Weissenberg and Joycelyn Montanaro. Catherine has a unique ability to communicate and dialogue with God, the deceased, and coma patients. These communications are recorded as writings. Each writing is to the situation, energy, and is intimate to the recipient. Jocelyn was a lawyer, and now she is a selected messenger welcoming readers into her life just before and after her husband's Kevin's death. She recognizes the, ability, the responsibility she has in sharing with others the story of love beyond ever after. We're having a conversation about their remarkable life's journey and their newly released insightful book, Beyond Ever After. Catherine, can you share with us what you experience is when you are doing the God's writings? So for me, it's just like us being here talking today. It's uh, it's always present. It's um, I don't have to do anything special. I don't have to meditate. I don't have to go anywhere i believe that we're all capable we're all connected to this greater source call it god or whatever Mm -hmm. term um i i believe in god i know god i have a relationship with god (laughs) and the writings always start out uh god welcome and always in go with god so for me um what that experience is is i just um move over uh not in a possession kind of way but i just welcome um the flow of god energy and it just flows and it can be like a download of information um beautiful prose it's it's uh 
it's always the same energy, which is different than if someone in a coma or someone who's been deceased starts to communicate. They're themselves. You know, they they mm-hmm. have an identity. They they are themselves. That's different than this all loving. Um, presence that knows everything and can speak to people in their vernacular, in their language, Mm -hmm. um, in ways that resonate with their heart because that energy knows their heart. And um, so for me, it just feels, uh, on the outside, it looks just like what we're doing here, having a conversation. Um, It's a dialogue. But on the inside, it's just being in this, the internal experience for me is just being very, very at peace and um, just stepping aside and being a genderless and I don't have a, a a need for it to be any way or control it. So it's uh, it's just being in this miracle space of um, of wonder and grace. So interesting. Yeah, it's hard. Hard to explain <laughs> in human terms, but yeah. Do you at you at any given time is conscious of the experience? I'm always fully conscious, just like I'm conscious here. Yeah, I don't go anywhere. I am completely, completely aware. I'll laugh. I'll, you know, and I and I am just in awe of um, of what is coming of the messages that come even though sometimes i don't really understand them uh mm-hmm. or what they mean as um in our book beyond ever after a heart to heart journey through death and the afterlife uh you know we both i don't know what any of these messages there's six complete of these writings and sessions mm-hmm. in the book Jocelyn comes in and in and says this is when Kevin said this this is what it meant this mm-hmm. is what it meant so um but of course when Kevin or God or whomever it is are sharing something I'm just as it it it's like they're at at you know at the kitchen table with us and I'm learning and I'm gaining wisdom and um and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that's what they just said. You know what that means. So just like you would with anybody, you know, they tell you something, you're um, enthralled. And uh, so I'm not only conscious, I'm also, you know, having my own um, – uh, I'm present and I'm having mm-hmm. my own um, receivership of that as Catherine – you know, as, oh, this means for this, or I moved, or, you know, emotionally, or whatever it might be, because Mm -hmm. I'm not anywhere, I'm fully there, and so is God, which is probably, not probably, is the truth all the time, it's just, I Mm -hmm. get this inside window, (laughs) that (laughs) window and internal experience and grace to, to know that. Mm-hmm. Um, in in reality, so fascinating, Jocelyn. When did you become convinced that you were connecting with Kevin? It during the first. Well, first let me say something to what Catherine was saying about the God writings. Um, yeah. Because in the yeah. book there's six of them, and when I first started these writings um, with Catherine, 
the God, there's always a God introduction. They were very simple because um, I, I don't spiritual. I certainly mm-hmm. didn't speak it back then. I'm, I'm learning it now. It's really quite the foreign language for me. But um, uh, um, in the beginning, they were really simple because I didn't really understand what he was talking about. But as the writings went on, they get more and more complicated because you understand you understand more. Um, you probably noticed that in the book. But mm-hmm. back to your question, when was I convinced that I was connecting with Kevin? During the first writing, um, when he was in a coma, uh, when it started out, he uh, Catherine did the God introduction. She was reading it, and then she said, I hear a man's voice. And I said, well, who is it? And he said, well, it's me. It's Kevin. And he um, started communicating through Catherine. Whenever I say Kevin said this, I'm talking about him I'm hearing this all through Catherine. And um, he said a few general things about my kids and our kids and some other things. And I thought, well, you know, my sister Vicky could have told her all that stuff. Catherine, the way I met Catherine is she had been friends with my sister Vicky for years. And my sister Vicky had gotten, um, had had several writings, many writings with Catherine over the years that had given her great insight and comfort. And she was the one who kept encouraging me to do this with Catherine to start with. But since they were friends, I knew she could have told her the names of my children and a few other kind of general things. So I thought, well, I'm going to just ask him a test question. And I said, you know, what's the last thing you remember? Um, And he told me something that was so specific that I knew it was him. And what he told me was that um, he said he remembered getting wheeled into the surgery, and he was having surgery, um, he had glioblastoma to take out his brain tumor. As they was getting wheeled into surgery, he reached up. He said, I reached up and took um, Linda's hand, and that was the name of the surgeon, and said, thank you for doing this, Linda. And I nearly just, I mean, I think I probably went, and, you know, <laughs> literally almost fell off my chair because um, after the surgery, you know how surgeons always come out and tell you how the operation went. They come and tell the family mm-hmm. how everything went. Mm-hmm. So the surgeon came out, and she said, everything went fine, you know, everything's fine, but, I, you know, before I tell you the details, i got to tell you, your husband's just the nicest man. As we're wheeling him <laughs> in, he reaches up and grabs my hand and says, thank you for doing this, Linda. And the only people that heard it were me and my two kids, and then um, I never repeated it to anyone because, uh, you know, half an hour later in the recovery room, an artery tore in his head, and he had a massive hemorrhagic stroke. Everything went horribly downhill from there. Everything that could have gone wrong did, which is what led me to Catherine, him being in a coma almost a month later. And um, so I never repeated it. So I knew that Catherine couldn't have possibly heard that from anyone because nobody else knew that. And that's when I knew I was talking to Kevin. But since that one moment, everything in it is so – all the writings are so specific. There's no way that it can't be that person. And even just their – word choices, the nicknames they use for you, the mm-hmm. terms of endearment mm-hmm. they call you, you know, and, and and when Catherine's doing it's funny when she's doing the writings and she's and she's, you know, what she does is she writes fast the download she's getting and then when there's a break she pauses and reads it to you. And when she reads it to you, it's funny because she uses the same inflections as as she receives the information. So her tonal quality and the way her voice rises and drops and how he would say things is the same. It's it's her voice, but it's his, like, the way he talks, like her imitating the way he talks. So mm-hmm. it's just it's it's just so remarkable. It's just incredible. It's just I can't 
unless you've had the experience, you just can't possibly fathom it. Wonderful. That's fascinating. The reason I'm so glad that you went into greater detail about the whole process because, I mean, people can vision what you were explaining. And that's wonderful because I grew up in Malaysia up to 18 years old. And one of my aunts, uh, I guess what they would consider as a medium, someone that really connects with spirits. And she would go into that process of uh, sounding different, (laughs) Uh, taking over that person's sort of mild personality, so to speak, right? To to get the message across, to to get the message across. And so, so you're having this conversation with this person, but yet the shell is <laughs> the person in front of you. And so that's quite interesting from that perspective. So ladies, you know, I used, did, to, I, used, mm-hmm. I used to think of um, when Catherine would be talking kind uh-huh. of like him, that yeah. movie ghost from years ago. With, right. Um, right. And, and, and you see, you know, Whoopi Goldberg there and she looks mm-hmm. at him and it kind of morphs into, you know, Patrick, <laughs> Swayze there, and uh-huh. uh, and I know Catherine's not morphing into Kevin, obviously, but it, it pretty much sounds like I'm talking to him when we're having these writings. So it's just it's it's amazing. Right, right, wonderful. That's wonderful. So, ladies, when did Beyond Ever After morph into a book? Jocelyn, you want to take that? Uh, well. We, when um, Catherine had done the writing for me, at um, we had a writing, as you know, in the book, there's six of them. And mm-hmm. the second one was um, down at UCLA. Um, my husband, who had, during the first writing, um, when he was in a coma, when he realized he wasn't um, dreaming, which is what he thought he was doing, he, he said, well, I'm going to wake myself up. And during that writing, he started to wake up, which is amazing in, in and of itself. And um, and then we had and then he got he got worse again and Catherine came to UCLA to do another writing and um, and that's a whole other it's a great story but um, uh, when it was done I said I said guy you know this is just amazing you should write a book because she I'm <laughs> I'm only one of hundreds and hundreds of stories like this I mean right. Catherine could tell you that I'm just I'm just one of many and. Um, and I said, if you ever want to write a book, you know, I'll sign a release. You, you should really put this out there. This is amazing. And then a year, or so and then we became friends. And a year or so later, she said, you know, I'm, 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 I'm thinking of finally, you know, uh, writing a book. Do you want to help me write one with me? This is a story I think would be a good story to tell. And I said no, um, because I wasn't ready, and I was still just crying every day, and I just, I just, mm-hmm. I didn't want to do it. And then we, um, a year or so later, I was having this. I decided to have a year of spiritual growth and development. No, it sounds funny. I had to have a whole year to work on that. <laughs> and uh, didn't, I didn't get that far, but I, I made some progress. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, we went to a, a, a Mary Morrissey conference, and um, it's about, you know, what's your dream and building your dream. And mm-hmm. when we were driving home from it, I said, you know, if you want to write that book, I'll, I'll help you. And so then I just um, thought about it for like a month. Well, how do you write a book like this? It's it's kind of a hard – I didn't know how we would go about doing it. And I'd never written a book before, and um, Catherine mm-hmm. had, but I hadn't. And so I just kind of molded over and molded over. And one day when I was um, driving home from the gym, um, I got a sign from Kevin. I get signs from him all the time. 
Catherine mm-hmm. calls them divine synchronicities. Um, and a song, um, a James Taylor song came on the radio and it all of a sudden in my head, it popped in how to start the book. So mm-hmm. I went home and I wrote the first chapter and I sent it to Catherine and that's how we started. Beautiful story. Beautiful story. Why the four voices in the book? Well, because the book uh, contains the actual writings, which were Mm -hmm. four parts, right? Right. um, At the time, that's how it happened. It was Jocelyn and I and Kevin and God. And so, um, and because we knew that um, I had the spiritual overlay for what these messages meant, and Mm -hmm. um, she knew what they meant personally to her and Kevin, and so it's a a four-part narrative. The book has the writings, but when Kevin refers to certain things, Jocelyn goes in and talks about, oh, this is from our honeymoon. Kevin early on uh, talked to her about it was just a bend in a road and he'd be waiting ahead and they were with like, they had their helmets off and he used this whole description and she um, shared at the time and also makes sense of this in the book. She's like that on their honeymoon, they went to, where did you go, Jocelyn? Bahamas. And they rode motor scooters or something right. with their helmets on. The only time in their married life they ever did that together or probably ever did it, period. Right, Jocelyn? Yeah. And so, <laughs> so um, you know, you can see you're taken on the ride of this wonder. And also, as you read the book, Johnny, Jocelyn goes from being really angry, not believing in anything to having this very um, uh, epiphany and this major wake-up and um, invites the reader very intimately into her her process of losing Kevin and also Kevin's, um, what Kevin shares, he's speaking to Jocelyn, but it's also applicable to anyone who's suffered loss mm-hmm. or is facing mm-hmm. a terminal illness or or anything. So he's a very real character in the book, but he's a real man, you know, and it's mm-hmm. a true mm-hmm. story. And then, of course, God has a lot of wisdom about, you know, what it all means in a way to hold it, not in, in that our loved ones just die and go to this black void and we never see them again or, you know, they're just gone. So Right. Yeah. And we also, it's also just, you know, kind of the nature of the way we wrote it, too. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I as you read it, you know, each chapter, it says who's who's writing that chapter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, Catherine obviously can't write about my personal experiences, and I certainly can't speak to the spiritual implications of everything that's being said. And right. so um, it's, you know... You know, like I just wrote my literally in, in my living room on my couch with my dogs in front of the fire, and and then you know <laughs> Catherine, you know went from there, and it, it was it was a big project, that's for sure. <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't really think that writing a book is going to be that hard, but it, it's not, it's not it's a big undertaking. Very very interesting. Yes, that's true. What I like about reading the book, for example, chapter 90, and you mentioned this briefly just now, 
Jonathan, and we talk about the afterlife uh, and so forth. Now, this particular chapter here that it's basically written by you and Kevin, uh, and it's titled New Life. And so what's interesting here that God talks about, is it afterlife or new life? And how that pragmatism applies into our real world. For example, one chapter closes, another one's open. Uh, once you finish a book, put it on a shelf, get a new book, start a brand new life. And that comes back to that concept of hope inspires. You got a brand new sheet of paper to uh, start composing. <laughs> I'm just going to look at chapter 90 and see which one you're talking about. <laughs> chapter 90, uh, New Life. Oh, yeah. It's the writing. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. That's, the idea that's, of um, new life rather than afterlife. Yeah, it's profoundly yeah, and, liberating and, to understand that. And and that's a that's a well, Catherine, you can speak to that concept. No, it's just you know God makes a really good point. Why is everybody talking about the afterlife as if this life mm-hmm. that we're living now is the only game in town? You know, right? And so right. it's afterlife, but. What we know is, just as the examples you just gave with finishing a book and starting a new chapter in a blank piece of mm-hmm. paper, only in new life, it's wonderful. It's a celebration. It's right. It's not – here in this life, we have a book cover. We have a frame. We have a certain window. We have a life that is bookend. But – when we die, we're eternal, so we don't we don't operate in the same way. So we really can be this expansion and all these things. Here we live a linear life. There, there is you know, uh, not like a place. It's more state of consciousness, <laughs> but. Um, we don't have that. We're not sequential. We can think mm-hmm. a thought and have all of it be there. We don't have to get in our car, make sure it has gas, punch in the GPS address, hope we have enough time to get back before lunch or whatever, you know, (laughs) um, before we have to feed the dog, whatever it might be. (laughs) So new life is this this freedom, this, um, Mm -hmm. you know, for those people who believe and receive it in that way, you know. So it is beautiful. And it's, That's true. And it's about celebration. It's not about the end at all. Mm-hmm. It's about the great big beginning that's far, far vaster and um, profound than even here. You know, as wonderful as, as living our lives and birth is and mm-hmm. all the wonderful things we get to experience in in our each as Mary Oliver would say, you know, what are you going to do with your one precious wildlife, you know? So we do get to choose. So true. But we get to choose there. Wonderful. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio, our podcast available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, and Google Play. My guests for this morning are Catherine Weisenberg and Joycelyn Montanaro. Catherine has a unique ability to communicate and dialogue with God, the deceased, and coma patients. These communications are recorded as writings. 
Each writing is unique to the situation, energy, and is intimate to the recipient. Jocelyn was a lawyer, and now she is the selected messenger welcoming readers into her life just before and after her husband's, Kevin's, death. She recognizes the responsibility she is sharing in with others the story of love beyond ever after. We're having a conversation about their remarkable life's journey and their newly released insightful book, Beyond Ever After. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Joycelyn, what is your view on death and a possible afterlife right now? Well, um, I know there's – that's such a huge question. I um, Well, it's shifted dramatically. I don't um, – and this is really um, – for the readers of the book, mm-hmm. I hope is one of their biggest takeaways is that um, they don't fear death. I, I fear death. I think pretty much everybody does um, mm-hmm. because it's an ending to what we have here, and we're not really sure, obviously, about what's after. But um, I don't I don't worry about it now. I mean, I certainly hope it's not painful when it comes, and I'd mm-hmm. like to live a nice long life and you know spend time with my grandkids, the ones that are here and those that are coming, and all that kind of stuff. But I know that when I die, it's not really an ending. It's just a transition. Mm-hmm. And um, um, so I don't, I don't worry about it. And that gives me great freedom that I didn't have before because there's so much else to worry about anyway. Any, anyway. And that's mm-hmm. really kind of the big thing. Everyone worries about all this. You know, you think you're doing all this stuff every day, going through the grind, and then what? You die, and then there's nothing, you know. So I don't worry about that Um and um, and I know that there's an afterlife because my husband's there, and I mm-hmm. I've talked to him there, and I've um, um, and so I know there's something more, which makes me not worry about this ending. So I have great faith now that I didn't have before, and I don't fear death. And if that's if anybody can, if people can read our book and just have a, a you know half of what I feel, I, I it would it would help them so much. Wonderful. Catherine, how do you define spirit? Well, for me, spirit is the animated presence of soul. Um, I think a spirit um, as a as a living, embodied um, expression, let's say, uh, sort of like personality is the animated self. Your soul is fixed. Your soul has an essence. But when the soul expresses that spirit, um, so that's what I would say spirit is. Um, it's it's like love. It's invisible and yet it's not. It's real and palpable and we feel it in our hearts and we know it um, is true even though our senses perhaps couldn't apprehend it. Our eyes can't mm-hmm. see it. Um, are uh, we can't touch touch it with our fingers, um, but we definitely it's as real as as we are, and it's everywhere. Interesting. How can listeners connect with their intuition and the divine? Well, what I think you know, we get this question a lot, and I'd like mm-hmm. to say, you know, oh, here are the three easy steps. Here's the five steps to connect with the divine but we're each individuals we're always one is the truth is we are always connected to the divine 
whether we have it in our direct awareness or not, we are made, created, imbued, innate animation of the divine. We can't be, we are not separate from it. It is an impossibility. Now, um, intuition is a little bit different. Intuition, I think, is is sensing more that, feeling it. It's the aliveness, knowing it. And um, there's no practice per se. You know, I can make something mm-hmm. up. I'm a old college professor. I could tell you a big story, <laughs> but it wouldn't be true because it wouldn't take into account how you are. And so here's what I believe about connecting with our intuition and sensing the divine is that wonder and grace are not necessarily right up in our face up close. We look at reality, we go through, you you mentioned the practical approach to life, you know. Mm-hmm. We're so focused on what's ahead of us and seeing in some ways we have blinders on. We have to dull the sensors and the stimuli so we can get through and navigate our lives and um, live in with purpose and intention. But wonder and grace, and like our story, it's very dramatic and it's true, but a lot of times miracles and grace and awe and wonder, they don't, they happen on the periphery. So if I'm so busy only staring ahead, I don't see the miracle next to me necessarily. You know, how many of us have ever, um, you know, taken a walk and a butterfly seems to follow us. You know, we don't see it the mm-hmm. first time or the second time. And then it's, you know, buzzing around or whatever. And we're like, oh, you are the flower. Or um, pets are wonderful for this, right? We just fall mm-hmm. into this space. So I believe instead of trying to grasp and seek in a kind of a needy, I got to prove it to me, show me, uh, we can't tackle well, we can, and some do, tackle this relationship with the divine and our sensing with this desperate need or seeking. Because we're seeking something that already is in us, that we've already received, that love. Our heart is the portal to the divine and to our Mm -hmm. intuition. It's the sensors. And so being an open palm, I and when you have these experiences – be they, you smell your grandmother's perfume and she's been gone for 20 years and you're like, and then you say, oh, no, 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 no. I just imagined that. That can't be true. That didn't really happen. And Or I must be crazy. We have so many people coming who are reading our book that are saying, oh, my gosh, I had this experience as a child. Oh, my goodness. You know, I knew my husband was there. And, he, and, they, and, they have the, and these stories pour out of them, and they've never told people them before. And they're the most intimate, beautiful things that they've experienced. And, um, and, and we're all having those experiences. So let ourselves know they're real, even if we never tell them to someone else, which I encourage one of our goals with the book is we are all having these experiences. We are all connected by love. Love is eternal. And let's share that with one another. But um, being the open palm, softening your gaze, softening your gaze for wonder and magic and this love that pours in. And 
you know, we all know when it's happened to us, but it's happening much more. So if we're not all marching ahead like good little soldiers just <laughs> facing one way in lockstep with reality, then all this grace and wonder that's always present, we can feel it, we can touch it. And the more we feel it, the more we touch it, the more we're open to it, the more those experiences can flow to us and through us, and the more the more alive and wondrous, and I think, as we're created to be, we can live. Mm-hmm. Very true. Jocelyn, do you sense that your sense of awareness has amplified over a hundred times now? Yes, absolutely. And, um, uh, yes, I mean, awareness in terms of, you know, like the, the, the spiritual life or the, the, what really is our reality, that kind of awareness. Yes, and also things that are around you. You're paying more attention versus perhaps that, uh, pragmatic uh, with what they call uh, respectfully like a, a racehorse. They have those uh, shades that just say, hey, look mm-hmm. straight ahead. <laughs> yes. Versus, you know, I, I imagine, I, mm-hmm. go ahead. I No, I do have a lot more awareness and also um, awareness of just what's happening around me and, and like when Catherine was talking about the, the divine synchronicities, the signs that we right. get. Right, pay attention kind and, of thing, yeah. I pay attention to all that. And also yeah. I have an awareness, This it sounds odd, but that um, maybe awareness is the right word, but um, I don't um, worry about the small stuff that like I used to. And so part mm-hmm. of my new awareness is that all this little stuff that everybody gets bogged down in doesn't mm-hmm. really matter. And so when I'm, um, you know, have confronted with something that, um, you know, is just like annoying or, or, yeah. or worries me or I'm a little fretful, I take a step back and I take a deep breath and I think, okay, in the scheme of things, does this really matter? And usually mm-hmm. the answer is no. And so my awareness of really what counts and what's important, that's gone up 10,000-fold. Because, um, I, I, you know, when you know that this isn't all that there is and you really know that, you're just much more aware about what's important and what isn't. Very, very interesting. Are you still in contact with Kevin through Catherine or are you pretty much on your own? Well, I haven't had a writing in a in, in quite some time. I, I got an unsolicited message on my birthday. I, in the book, we have um, two unsolicited messages. Sometimes Catherine um, just gets, um, well, she calls them unsolicited messages, where um, someone who's deceased will come to her and want to, you know, pass something along. And in mm-hmm. the book, um, there's one um, when he was in hospice um, after he spoke with our children. Uh, when um, Catherine went home that night afterwards at like midnight, 12.34, I think it was on the clock, he came to her and sent her this, like a love letter to me. And then um, on my birthday, he sent another one. So while I haven't had a conversation with him back and forth, I um, I did get an unsolicited writing on my birthday. And he sends me signs all the time, like you were talking about. Like, for example, the other day I was in the car and I was thinking about Kevin. I mean, I think about him all the time. And I turned on the radio and Brown Eyed Girl um, was mm-hmm. playing. And Brown Eyed Girl from Van Morrison was a song that Kevin always attributed to me. And mm-hmm. so, you know, um, or like in the book, there's a, a 
story about a squirrel. Squirrels were big in our in Kevin's mind, and I get signs from squirrels all the time where she was talking about a butterfly, and I was um, sitting with some friends having coffee, and we were talking about Kevin, and all of a sudden this butterfly came that had purple on the wings. I'd never seen a butterfly <laughs> with purple on the wings, and purple is my favorite color. And mm-hmm. so it just, and literally for like 15 minutes we're sitting there, and this butterfly is just flying around the table. It sat on the table, and then it like sat on my friend's shoulder, and it just, and I knew it was a sign from Kevin. And in the next writing I had, he um, he commented on the butterfly with the purple wings that, mm-hmm. yes, that was him. You know, he knew we were talking about him, mm-hmm. and he just wanted to be there with us. So um, it's it's really remarkable when, you, when you're aware, as you were saying, and you keep your eyes open, the, what you can see out there that you wouldn't normally see. Very, very interesting. Kathleen, what would you like for the readers to gain from reading Beyond Ever After? Well, that, that death is um, a doorway. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily, it's not a blind alley, a dead-end alley, that the love that we feel and that our hearts are the portal to our connection to our loved ones, wherever they may be, in this life or in the afterlife, that love is the most powerful force in the universe, that love is eternal, that death shouldn't be feared, um, and also that this reality, the way we live, is far more porous, that grace and wonder are always moving with us and through us, and we can be agents of that with others, but we're definitely receivers, and that um, love is our birthright. It's who we are, connection, Mm -hmm. eternal. We are soul. We do have spirit, and um, that the world would be a different place if we knew that, you know, and we Mm -hmm. weren't as afraid and live in such fear and kindness would be our guide, and, um, you know, we would have hope, we would have comfort, and not that we would be spared grief or pain, because that's part of the human experience. Right. But that those things would be easier to bear, and our loved ones don't want us to suffer. I mean, you read the book, so you know, Kevin spends most of the book trying to coach let's say jocelyn about Mm -hmm. how to handle his death it's not a failure go on living they don't want us to you know close the windows and pull the drapes and die with them you know right Uh, and that for them it's just a blink in a blink of an eye before we're reunited for us it's Mm -hmm. longer but once we're there it's as as if no time had had passed and then we have all eternity together. And, that, so and that's true. what Kevin says in the book, he, those two things, that death isn't a failure and that when I die, we're going to be together again, and it's going to be not like a blink of an eye has passed. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Where can someone go to get more information about you two and keep up with your latest happenings? Um, we have a, a website. Uh, beyondeverafter.com that's beyondeverafter.com and there's a link to our book on Amazon if your readers are interested in learning more and we also have a submit your own story on our website so people, like I said people are are sharing their stories um, 
And so there's an option to do that. We have public speaking. We're speaking publicly. And so people can um, go to our website and learn more about us. Wonderful. What is next for you two? Well, we're very busy promoting the book um, Mm -hmm. right now. And um, I guess that's pretty much it, is promoting the book. Um, It's uh, (laughs) We're doing a lot of radio Speaking interviews and engagement. appearances and things like that. So, yeah, it's it's been fun. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. As we close the show, since our show is about people, family, and living life, would you two ladies like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? Sure. I could go. Um, go ahead. So, you know, key ingredients, be open, be kind, always leave room to improvise, you know. Know, uh, know that you're the own cook. You're your own cook in your life. You know, you're unique. No one seasons or tastes like you. The secret ingredients is always love. You know, and enjoy life. You know, taste of all experiences. Serve all your dishes with love and gratitude and service. And you know, life is always better when shared. And also, don't forget a dollop of humor to everything because. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. And how about you? Jonathan? Well, you know, I can't top that. That's that was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, I guess I guess what I would I would say is um uh just love, you know, as Catherine mm-hmm. says. Just just treat everybody and yourself with love and kindness. I think we often don't treat ourselves with as much love as we give other people. I, I'm pretty hard on myself sometimes and um mm-hmm. I, I would say just, you know, Throw lots of love in there, and 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 also, um, you know, don't sweat the small stuff, and um, lots mm-hmm. of salt. I love salt, so for me, recipe <laughs> would have whatever it is would have a lot of salt on it. And you know, also, um, not to be hypercritical, not to judge mm-hmm. yourself harshly or your or others. You know, that that you recognize the uniqueness of everyone's perspective and their right to come from that perspective even though it may not be you know you may be a vegan and I may be a meat eater you know that doesn't make either one of us wrong you know it just means that we have different different taste buds and different palates and uh and and that we are all here to nourish one another and to be filled by whatever this life has for us the good and the bad the sorrow and the joy you know it's uh it's the different flavors that make um make us uh nourish us and give us life so so true beautiful Catherine and jocelyn thank you for the great recipes for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me in two weeks, Tuesday morning, March 3rd. My guest will be Kathleen O'Kee Carnivals. Kathleen is known as the Queen of Dreams in, his, in her syndicated column. She is a three-time breast cancer survivor whose dream diagnosed her illness missed by medical the medical community. Kathleen is also a multi-award-winning author, lecturer, and keynote speaker who promotes patient advocacy and connecting with divine guidance through dream for success in health, wealth, and relationship. Kathleen and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and her award-winning book, 
dreams that can save your life. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. Ladies, it's been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a very blessed day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.